0: We're in the middle of a series called Stay Positive. I'm just positive. Uh, I, I'm very positive of every one of you because you actually showed up. Um, you know, with the weather, uh, a lot of people decided to stay home, and uh, so uh, thank you guys for being here. Um, we're in week two, and today what I want to talk about is I'm grateful. Uh, the reality is, is that all of us begin the uh, new year kind of with a positive mindset. We want to be grateful. We want to have a sense of gratitude. Um, But as 2019 goes on, negativity will come around us and it will be very easy to drift on into being critical or complaining about different things. Because the reality is, uh, you know, we don't have to do very much to complain about stuff. For example, uh, when it comes to driving, uh, some of you have experienced that uh, in the last uh, few hours here uh, with all the weather. How many of you, though, would consider yourself an above-average driver. Just raise your hand. You're an above-average driver. I'm going to go over here so I can see. Keep it up if you're an above-average driver. Keep it up. Now, I'd like you to look around at everybody, okay? This is what I know. Herein lies the problem. Because over half of you said you were above-average, okay? And so we have a tendency when it comes to driving, we complain that people drive too fast, they drive too slow. Uh, when it's winter uh, right now, they're too slow, I can't believe it. Uh, don't, don't they realize snow comes? Or they're going too fast, are they idiots? And we have this you know, concept of just being able to complain about whatever it is. Now, what about fast food? That's another thing. Uh, you go to a fast food restaurant and you order some food. You ask the person to get it ready for you. And then they go back and they uh, get all your food ready. And if it's more than three and a half minutes, you're like going off. You're like, hey, what in the world is going on? I mean, I thought this was fast food, not slow food. And we have a tendency uh, uh, to complain about that. You come to your house. You walk in. And uh, you look at the refrigerator. It's full of food. And you look inside it, and how many times are you tempted to say something like this? I don't have anything to eat. I just don't have anything to eat. What do you mean your fridge is full, you know? Or um, think about this. Uh, you might actually go and sit down, and you're getting ready to watch TV. You know, most of you have a hundred channels or more. Some of you have hundreds of channels. And you get ready to watch TV, and you look, and what do you say? I've got nothing to watch. There's nothing to watch. And then you go to your closet, and you look at all of your clothes, and you're looking at them, and you're kind of looking, and some of you have multiple closets. So it's not just one, but then there's like another one here, and you're looking. And help me out here. What do you say? i got nothing to wear. Nothing to wear. And we, it is amazing of how blessed we are, and yet how often we are dissatisfied. How often we can become ungrateful. The the reality is, for the guy standing on the stage, there are moments in my life in which I'm very tempted to be ungrateful because things don't happen the way that I want them to. I mean, I've complained about my car, I've complained about my house, I've complained about my food, I've complained about different situations, and I'm just guessing, just guessing that I'm not alone. I bet everybody here has something around them that at some times you have a tendency to complain about. But folks, I don't want to go into this new year with that. I want to have an attitude of gratitude everywhere I go that I'm grateful whatever the situation is that hits my life because I know it impacts so many other positive attributes around me. Now today, what I want us to do is look at a passage of Scripture in the Gospel of Luke, the third book of the New Testament, the second half of the Bible called Luke. And in chapter 17, uh, Jesus is approached with a group of people called lepers. And when he's approached by them, we find that there is a story of not gratitude, but it's really focused on being ungrateful. It starts in verse 11, And this is what it says. Jesus, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, how many men? How many? Ten. Ten Ten men were who had leprosy met him. Ten. Not one, but ten who had leprosy met him. And They cried out these words. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, many times when we're reading the Bible, what typically happens is we go, yeah, 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 and we just keep on reading. But this particular phrase, Jesus, have pity on us, I want you to know that it was coming from the depths of their heart because they had lived a life in which they had leprosy. And it would be very similar to a person in the 1990s who had AIDS. Do you remember that? In the 90s, we were afraid of anyone who had AIDS. You didn't want to touch them. You didn't want to be near them. And it was that kind of rejection. Now, I'm not going to give a whole big explanation about leprosy, except simply to say this, that it's a broad term used for skin diseases and disorders. But if you were a leper, in Leviticus chapter 13, what we find is that lepers had to do certain things. If you were a leper, you had to tear your clothes so that if you were walking down a road and someone saw that your uh, clothes were torn, that they could walk away because they knew you were a leper. If you were a leper, you had to put your hand over your mouth all the time because they didn't want you to uh, give your leprosy to anyone else. And as you're walking around, any time that you were walking near people, you had to yell out, unclean, unclean, I'm unclean. And, you know, it kind of reminded me a little bit of when I walk into the house after a workout. Jennifer says, I have to say this, I stink, I stink, you know, because they do not, they do not want my leprosy around their stinkage there. Okay? You see... A leper, folks, was not just anyone. They were a social outcast. They were rejected. They were ignored. They were avoided. They were left in little communes away from the rest of society. And as they're walking around, there is stuff that is oozing out of their arms and their legs and where their wounds are at. And then on top of that, there's no human connection. No one ever touched a leper. No one ever had a connection. They walked through life without any human touch. I want, to think, I want you to think about that today. What if you went through the rest of your life and there was no human touch? Well, these guys are crying out like this to Jesus because they know that just maybe, maybe, he would be the one that would be able to care for him and bring healing. And so they say, Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on me, And then it goes on to say this. When Jesus saw them, He said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. In other words, folks, miraculous healing. All ten of them have leprosy. They're rejected from the rest of society. And now they're healed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. How many came back? How many were healed? Ten. So you have ten people whose life is changed but only one of them, only one, comes back. We'll go on to the next verse. That one person threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him and he was a Samaritan. Now what you simply need to know is that Samaritans were rejected too. They were half-Jewish and half another race. And so they were considered half-breeds. And so they were rejected by the rest of society. So he's a leper and he is a Samaritan. It goes on to say, Jesus asked, We're not all ten cleansed? I love that. Do you think Jesus doesn't know how to count? No. He knows how to count. He says, We're not... All ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Folks, there were ten people. Nine were grateful, or nine were ungrateful, one was grateful. Nine had a choice that they could have come back and gave thanks and praise, and they chose not to. One did, nine went the other way. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this story, in my mind, I'm like, I want to be that one. That regardless of the situation, I want to be a thankful person. If it's one out of ten, I want to be the one. If it's one out of a hundred, I want to be the one. If it's one out of a thousand, I want to be the person who is filled with gratitude. So today... What I want to do is simply give you kind of three statements that you can choose at the beginning of this year to live a life of gratitude, to be able to say I'm grateful throughout the year. Here's the very first one, and this is your first fill-in. I know every good thing I have comes from God. I know every good thing that I have comes from from God. It's not my money, my car, my clothes. It's all gifts given to me from God. And Jesus' brother, a guy by the name of James, later on in the New Testament, he said these words. Every good and perfect gift is from, what's it say? What's the next word? What is it? It's above. It's where God is. That God gives me every good and perfect gift. You know, when I think about all the different people that I've known in my life, I think the person who has demonstrated gratitude more than anyone else would be my dad. Now, my mom uh, is a huge encourager, biggest encourager of my life. We'll talk about it more next week when we talk about encouragement. You'll want to be here. But when it comes to gratitude, it's my dad. Uh, Anytime uh, I would ask him, you know, growing up, uh, Hey, dad, how are you doing? He's like, life is good. Life is good, baby, and I'm blessed. It really didn't matter what was going on. He was always grateful. I mean, uh, it, it's one of those things though. when you're growing up as a kid, it gets annoying. It gets very annoying to have someone who is always grateful. And, and I don't mean like a fake gratefulness, you know, not like one of the, Christian uh, TV channels every once in a while where a person's there and they're like, oh, my life's all wonderful, you know, and there's crying and mess and everything. And you're like, they can't be that way all the time. You know what I mean? And uh, with my dad, though, it wasn't that way. He's, he's grateful in whatever the situation is. For example, I'll never forget, he broke his foot. And uh, he gets his foot broken. I go up to him and go, Dad, how are you doing? He's like, well, you know, I have a walking cast instead of crutches I'm like, dude, you have a walking cast. I know, Chris, but life's good and I'm blessed. I mean, you know, I can still get around. I can still drive. Things are okay. Annoying, you know? I remember another time that uh, he uh, was on the back of a pickup truck. It was when we moved here to Muncie in 1998. He fell off the, or a, a semi, he fell off the back of a semi, hit his shoulder, tore his rotator cuff. His hands are all cut up. We go into the ER. Uh, they stitch him all up, and all of this is going on. And I go, Dad, how are you doing? He's like, life is good. I'm good. I'm, I mean, it's good. I'm like, Dad, it doesn't look so good. And I'll never forget, he just smiled. And he said, I'm blessed. I'm just blessed. And then uh, I'll never forget, uh, a couple years later, he was uh, diagnosed with prostate cancer. And our family like in that moment, just didn't know what was going to happen with him. And we're all overwhelmed, and we're struggling, and they go into surgery. They decided to take his prostate out would, would be the best thing, and so they did that. And he comes back to his room, and after the anesthesia kind of wore off, he woke up, and I said, Dad, how are you doing? And don't tell me life is good, and, and you're blessed, because it doesn't look that way right now. And I'll never forget, he looked straight in my face. And he said, Chris, life is good. And I'm blessed not because of this situation, but I'm blessed because there are people around here called my family that love me. And there is a God in heaven who has forgiven me for so much, you'll never know how grateful I am. And there was this sense of gratitude. And then I finally said, but Dad, you still have a catheter. And he said, well, I might not be grateful for that, you know, and that was it. But folks, you have the opportunity to go through life, whatever it is, to be grateful for what God has given you. God gives you water to drink. He gives you food to eat. He gives you a peace when you're connected to him and you have a relationship with him. That is a peace that overcomes all human understanding. He gives us the Holy Spirit to be able to comfort us, to be able to challenge us, to guide us, to give us direction. He gives us His Word. I mean, one of the reasons why it's so important to read this is because it will give you encouragement to be grateful for what God has given to you. He's given many of you health to bless you. He gives you friends to come around and support you. And He gives you a life to be able to be glorified. Folks, every good gift that we have Comes from a very good God. He cannot be anything else other than good. He does not create evil. He does not create pain for your life. He does not do things that create uh, hurt for you. Life happens and He's present and He's with us in whatever we're going through because God is a good God. God cannot be anything other than good. So, I know every good thing I have comes from God. Here's the second. Uh, way that you can choose gratitude. I will not let what I want rob me of what I have. I will not let what I want rob me of what I have. Now, I know that people want different things. I don't know what you want, but there are a lot of people that want different things. For example, some people are like, I want a better car. I want a better house. I want... Better clothes, I want better carpet, I want a better bathroom. I want better countertops. I want this, I want that, I want this, I want that. I wish I were there. I wish I had this. And on and on and on and on, and Solomon, the wisest person in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, uh, gave us these words. Let's read it out loud together. It's better to enjoy what we have than to always want something else. Let's say it again. It's better to enjoy what we have than to always want something else. It's better, to have, uh, it's better to enjoy what you have than to always want something else. Folks, this is what gratitude does. Gratitude places whatever it is that you have in your life and says it's enough. Uh, Let's all just say that out loud in one voice. I have enough. One, two, three. I have enough. Okay? Some of you may never say that again, so I'm glad you said it now. You know, what I have, folks, is enough. That's a word that we just don't say. But I have enough. Now, what's crazy to think about is this. And uh, it's a quote that will come up on the side. It's not happy people who are grateful. It's grateful people who are happy. Isn't that true? People sometimes who have very little, and they're so happy, it's not because they have something, it's because they're grateful. And there's sometimes that people have a whole lot of stuff, and you'd think they'd be really happy, and they're not because they're not grateful. It's not happy people who are grateful, it's grateful people who are happy. It's better to enjoy what I have, what's in front of me, than to always want something else. So I'm not going to let what I want rob me of what I already have. So right now, this is what I'd like you to do. I want you to think about what do you have. What do you have? Most of us have three meals a day that we get to eat. Now, some of you have a way of getting four or five in there. I don't know how you do it, but uh, you do, you know. But most of us, you should stay at three, by the way, but most of us have that. Uh, Almost every single person here can actually go somewhere after this and sit down and eat somewhere, and people are actually going to serve you food. Almost everybody here probably has a bed to sleep in. You have multiple clothes to be able to wear. Most of you have at least a pair of shoes. If you have a pair of shoes, you have more than most of the people in the world. Now, I've seen some of your closets. You have much more than one pair of shoes, don't you? Some of you have work shoes, and you have church shoes, and you have grass-mowing shoes. Some of you have snow shoes that you shovel, you know, the snow with. Some of you only have inside shoes. Like, my dad has these little slippers. He never wears them out. He only wears them inside those are his shoes. Some of you have high heel shoes. Some of you have stilettos. You have like, they're so high, you look like you're Gene Simmons and Kiss, okay? If you're, uh, if you're under, you know, 30 right now, you're going to have to Google that, okay? Just look for Gene Simmons shoes, all right? But, but most of us folks, you came here in a car. You have a car. If you didn't have a car, you have the ability to get a bus. Most of us have a job. If you have a job, I just want you to know that you are incredibly blessed. If you make minimum wage, minimum wage in the United States is 32 times more wealth than half of the people in the world. 32 more times than half the people in the world if you make minimum wage. And yet, and yet, I don't know why it is, but we can become so miserable. And we just want more and more and more and more. Most of you have a phone. And the reality is, you don't even talk on that phone anymore, do you? You don't use the phone to talk to someone. You text. You uh, do your Facebook. You do Instagram. Oh, hey, oh, Look at me. You, know, you do all this kind of stuff because your phone does more than just talk. You can Facebook or uh, FaceTime with somebody uh, there. Or you can Facebook, too. Um, I was seeing how now you can do an app where they'll actually deliver a hot pizza right to your door. You don't even have to do anything. You just pick a couple uh, buttons. You don't have to talk to folks. It's just there. Many of you have a girlfriend, and her name's Surrey, And you talk to her all the time, and you know, you know that. In fact, most of us are so blessed, folks, this is what we do. Whatever we have, we upgrade it. Uh, my secretary uh, this week, my phone was kind of messing up, and she said, don't worry, you're ready for an upgrade. I'm like, it's working in every other way. She's like, no, you need a new one. So I don't really need one, but now it's free, so I'm going to get a nicer, shinier upgrade. So you take all of this and we upgrade it. That's how blessed we are, folks. The blessings that we have, we simply upgrade them. Most of you who are here today... You have your health. You're without a lot of pain. Most of you traveled somewhere in 2018. You have great friends around you. And yet, we are so dissatisfied sometimes with what is right in front of us. You know, here's what you need to do every once in a while. You need to go to another part of the world. You need to go to a part of the world that is not like the United States. Because when you go to another part of the world, it increases your sense of gratitude. And one of the things we do here is we have mission trips, and next year there will be a mission trip in 2020 that will be going to Jamaica. Now some of you are like, Jamaica, do you guys go to Sandals? <laughs> no. We drive by Sandals. We go, oh, Sandals, okay? And then we go up into an area where some of the people don't even have Sandals, and Multiple families live in a shed, and they make $5 a day or less. And I've been to many different third world countries in my life. I've been blessed to be able to travel that way. And you know, in my 20s, every time I would go, I'd always feel bad for these people. People who had nothing, who were, you know, uh, in a landfill, or were uh, sleeping on the street, or had a whole family sleeping in a shed. But as I've gotten older and as I've been around many people and some Christ followers who are in these countries who still have very, very little and the difficult situation that they're going through, one of the things that I've started to realize is that they have something I don't have. They have time with their kids and they don't apologize for doing it for time upon time. They have spiritual hope that I can't even think about. They have a peace that passes all understanding. That's what's different when you get around that. And when I go to these places, what I start realizing, and you'll do this too, you'll not be feeling sorry for them. You actually start feeling sorry for yourself because they have so little, and yet they're grateful for what they have. And we have so much, and there's so many times we're ungrateful. Folks, gratitude turns whatever we have in front of us to be able to say it's enough. It's enough. And it's not happy people that are grateful. It's grateful people that are happy. So, let's just kind of rethink about our three points again. First of all, I know every good thing I have comes from God. Secondly, I will not let what I want rob me of what I have. And the third thing... I'll turn every blessing I have into praise. I'll turn every single blessing that God gives to me back into praise to Him. We're going to turn every blessing that God gives us back into an act of worship to Him. Why? Because somebody once said this, that every time we don't turn a blessing back into praise, you know what comes into our life? Pride. Pride. Every time, whenever we don't turn a blessing back into praise, it turns into pride. I deserve that. I earned that. I worked for that. I went to church today. Look around, Pastor Chris. There's a lot of empty seats. I got up in the snow and I came out, so I deserve more from God. Plus, when I compare myself... To my co-workers or neighbors or friends or family, I'm so much better than they are, so I deserve more. And folks, every single time we don't turn a blessing back into praise, what happens is we become prideful and we think of what I did. David, the greatest king of the Old Testament, um, in Psalm 63, he's talking to God and this is what he says. I will, what's the next two words? Praise you, how long? As long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be, look at these next two words. Let's say them out out loud together. I will be what? Fully satisfied. Like, fully satisfied. God, everything that is in front of me, I want you to know. You don't have to give me any more. I'm fully satisfied with what's in front of me. I'm fully satisfied as with the richest of foods, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. David said, I'm just going to go through my life and I'll be fully satisfied because what I have in front of me is enough. It's enough. So, how do we become people who when we receive a blessing from God, we automatically lift it up in praise and in thanksgiving? Well, what I'd like to do is to share an illustration with you, and then I'm going to give you an exercise to kind of try. So a few years ago, we were blessed uh, to be able to go to Florida as a family uh, on vacation. And my two daughters, uh, Jordan and Shiloh, were five and three at the time. Now, typically, we always went with my parents because uh, if you have more people, you can handle five-year-olds and three-year-olds so much better, okay? And so uh, we always brought them with us all the way until uh, Jordan was five years old on vacations. And my parents knew kind of, you know, uh, pastor and doctor. They'd, they'd be like, hey, your schedules are crazy. We'll give you a couple date nights, too. And so I'm very blessed uh, to have my uh, parents. Well, uh, I don't know what we were thinking, but Jennifer and I thought we could do it on our own that we could take care of a five-year-old and three-year-old by ourselves. And, you know, many of you are so much better parents than I am, but uh, taking care of a five- and three-year-old, to me, sometimes can be very difficult. And I don't know what we were thinking, but we went on this vacation by ourselves. Now, to be honest, the very first few days of the vacation went great. Everything went well. Uh, The girls obeyed. We had fun. We went out to uh, the beach, and we played in the ocean, and on in the sand and uh, had a great time. But then day four came and all of a sudden I noticed the two girls started to whine and then Jen started to whine too. Okay, we're not going to get in that right now. But, you know, I, I have all girls in my house. I'm the only guy. I mean, even our fish are female. I mean, our guinea pigs are female. I mean, it's just, that's the way it is. Well, eventually it got so bad that on day six, the day we were getting ready to go back, they're like hitting each other one bit the other one. I mean, it was just like all day you're just trying to discipline each other. Uh, have you ever seen these YouTube videos of horrible kids in Walmart? Don't look back too far, okay? You might see mine because it was just bad. And uh, you, know, you know how it is. You see these kids going crazy and you walk by and you're like, I wonder who those parents are because those are bad kids. Well, this is all going on and I just start complaining. I just start complaining about the trip. I start complaining about them. I just start complaining about Jen. I complain about everything because here we are in Florida, and you're all acting so ungrateful, and I'm tired of it, and I've had it. And so finally the last day comes, and I couldn't, it couldn't come fast enough. We get the umbrellas up, and uh, we're getting ready to go back to the little rental hut place uh, to take care of the bill for the chairs and uh, the umbrella that we had. And we finally get there, and Jen's like, well, you want us to stay here? And I'm like, no, go. And so they go back up to where the swimming pool's at. We get everything uh, finalized at the hut. I walk up, and I see Jen, and I see Shiloh, and I just walk up not thinking. I go, hey, where's Jordan at? And she's like, well, Jordan said she was going with you. And I was like, well, obviously she's not with me. It's not what you want to say when you don't have your kid around you. And all of a sudden, this panic kind of sits in. And that image of Amber Alerts of little five-year-old girls with blonde hair and ponytails and blue eyes start hitting my head. And we look around the pool, and we can't find her. We go to the other pool. We look. We can't find her. We go down to the beach where we had set up the umbrella and the chairs. We couldn't find her. We go into the ocean. We can't find her. We're looking everywhere, and we're panicking, and I'm yelling out loud like a crazy man, Jordan! Jordan! And other people are like, what's happening? I'm like, I lost my daughter. And finally we get to about the six-minute mark, and we can't find her. And all these people are looking for Jordan, and we can't find her, and we can't find her. And all of a sudden I'm, going, I'm like, I'm going back to the hut where we rented all the equipment. And I get there, and she's not there, but I look around the edge of the hut, and over in the corner you see these little blonde head girls. And I remember going around and picking her up and lifting her up and hugging her and going, Oh, I love you so much. I'm so glad you're okay. But if you ever do that again, I will kill you. (laughs) And folks, in that moment, I experienced an ache in my heart that I had never ached before in my life. My daughter, for five years, had never, ever been lost. But in that moment, I felt an ache like I'd never experienced before. And when you find something, folks, that is so valuable that you can't imagine doing life without it, you're grateful. And the complaining dad who was complaining about everything and their attitudes, my kid could have been the YouTube Walmart person. I don't care. Because Jordan's been found and everything's fine and everything's good and life is great. And we started, we're on the beach and all of a sudden... I'm like, hey, I found her, Jen. And Jen came and she's grabbing her. We're like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. And we're like thanking God so much. And people are like, okay, we're not going to help you anymore. you know. And we were so grateful because what was lost had been found. And I just started thinking this week that maybe for some of you, maybe for some of you, gratitude is something that you struggle with. And so maybe what you need to do, is to simply have an exercise like this, that you would pretend, just pretend, pretend that something in your life that's very valuable has been lost, has been taken away. And let me help you. Your job right now, you just lost it. You don't have a job. You're unemployed. Uh, You were just diagnosed with cancer, and it's stage four. Your mom or your best friend was out in the car and there was an accident and they'd been killed. they have been tragically killed. They're gone. And you pretend about that and you're like, oh. but then on the other side, what I want you to do is to think about pretending a different way. You mean I didn't lose my job? You mean I still have my job? I mean, It's not the greatest job in the world, but I still have my job? Yeah. And I don't have cancer? I woke up this morning, and I don't have stage four cancer? How grateful could I be? And, oh, it was a mistake. It was the wrong person. My my mom's alive. My best friend's alive. Everything's good. And all of a sudden, there's this gratitude that comes out to you. And I want you to know, don't think that this is hooky and and weird and, and all that kind of stuff, but that... There is this power when we think about something in our life that is right in front of us that we have that has been lost. And folks, you have so much more to be grateful than even pretending. So much to wake up with, with a real sense of gratitude. To be able to say, God, I thank you for my health. God, I thank you for my friends. God, I thank you for my job. God, I thank you for my church. God, I thank you for my small group. God, I thank you for this old jalopy of a car that just barely runs, but it got me here. And when all of a sudden, instead of saying, I'm so tired of that car, I just want a new car, you'll be able to say, no, 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 God, I'm thankful that I have transportation. Instead of saying, you know what, my house is always a mess. The kids don't pick up after themselves. My spouse doesn't. Things are crazy. If you do this, you'll say, you know what, I'm glad I have a mess. Because there are some people who woke up this morning who don't have kids and they've wanted them forever. Or some of them who have lost their children. Instead of saying, I don't like this stupid job, you say, God, I thank you for the job that you've given to me. Folks, when the rest of the world is going to complain and be negative that this isn't good enough and I hate this and I hate that and the world is going to hell in a handbasket, you can stand up and say, no, I'm going to be grateful. And why can't I be grateful? Because God has given me every single good gift from His hand. And I will not rob myself of wanting to have what's in front of me I will be thankful for what I have rather than being upset. And we will turn every blessing that we have into praise because our God is worthy of it. You know, folks, as you begin the new year, you have so much to be grateful for. But I want to challenge you to do something today that if you'll do this throughout this next year, the impact that you could make in another person's life could be amazing. Uh, When the church first started, we had a concept called Circle of Three. There's a uh, little uh, card in your program, if you could pull it out. It looks like this. So if all of you could pull that out, if you need one, just raise your hand, and uh, one of our greeters uh, will get that for you. So uh, just raise your hand if you need one, they'll bring it to you. But the whole concept of Circle of Three was just an idea that I had that, you know what, I would invest in three people who were disconnected from Christ or the church. And uh, I would invest not huge amounts of time, but regular amounts of time. And I would say these three things, that I would pray for them daily. And so my uh, particular uh, cell phone, of course I'm getting a new one, you know, i got to upgrade. But the the cell phone I have right now, it's set for 1 o'clock, and I pray for these three people for one minute each day. And uh, that's one thing. And the second thing is that I connect with them weekly. Now, I, don't, I don't take them out to eat and all that kind of stuff, but I try to shoot them a text, how are you doing? Sometimes we'll go out for coffee, uh, different things like that. And then finally, I'll invite them regularly. I'll invite them regularly. And as I've been able to do this with multiple different people over time, I'm amazed at what God has done in this process. And so I'd like to give you a couple of moments right now to think of three people, and if you can't think of all three, maybe one or two, who, if you invested in them, you'll end the year going, I'm so grateful that I was able to impact this person's life. And so, uh, again, pick people that are close to you. Uh, Don't pick Aunt Edna that's out in South Carolina, okay? Uh, She might be mean and nasty and she needs Jesus, but somebody in South Carolina can take care of her, okay? What I want you to do is to think of a neighbor, a co-worker, a friend, a family person who you know is disconnected from Christ or the church and that you would take a moment to be able to invest in them, to pray daily, to connect weekly, and to invite regularly. So I'm going to give you a couple of minutes right now. Uh, we'll play some mood music for you to put your name in there. And like for me, um, my name Chris would be in the middle and then I would have names of people that are on the outside. Everybody understand? Okay, let's take a moment to do that real quick. My helper, you are my shelter, you're my home, my anchor in the strong. Love and break up, my helper. You are my shelter. On the mountain, you surround me, my comfort and my song. Your promise is my refuge, cause I know your love is strong. You have raised me from the ashes, set my feet on solid ground, I know. Okay, well, uh, I would encourage you, uh, if you just got one name, that's fine, but to pray about it this week, that if you're a Christ follower, Christ really is counting on you. He's saying, hey, I've blessed you, and I don't want you to do this out of the blessing. I'd bless you anyways. But I'm telling you, so much more gratitude would come into your life if you would invest in someone. And so, uh, for me, you know, uh, I have some people that I pray for daily and I'm connecting with, one's name Eric, Uh, Another one is named Joe, and uh, then another person uh, is named John. And the three of them, I I spend time, I try to connect with them, and they're a part of my life. And I can't wait for the day that God might work in their life in such a way that they would give their life to him and life would be changed. So we'll be praying as a staff. I'd like you to email me, just chris at thejar.org. your names of people. There's a little form on the app that you can do That's a Circle of Three, or uh, you can do it on our website as well. And just email me or use any of those, and uh, we'll see what God's going to do in 2019 to impact people's lives and for us to increase in gratitude. Let's pray. Well, God, we come to you today, and our hearts are filled with gratefulness. We don't want to begin this year, God, after already having one good Sunday to somehow become negative and we want to be positive throughout the year. Please give us, God, an attitude of gratitude every day. Help us not to let what we want rob us of all the good things you've already given us. Help us to remember that every good and perfect gift comes from you. And help us to turn, God, every single blessing back in praise. God, help us to have an attitude of gratitude Um, wherever we go. And that part of that, God, is to be able to be thankful that you blessed us and we want to invest in other people. And I pray that people would take this seriously and think of three people that they could pray for and reach out to. And maybe today you're sitting there and you're like, you know, I don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you think there's no way that God would ever want you because of the things that you've done in your past. Or you don't do enough religious activities. Or you have just always felt like you weren't good enough. Well, I'm going to give you something today for you to be grateful for. That God sent His one and only Son from heaven to earth to come to take everything from your past, all your flub-ups, mess-ups, screw-ups, all your failures, all your sin and to place it on His shoulder and to say, you can be forgiven today. I mean, there are some of you who are about to become incredibly grateful because our God is about to invade your world with His love. You don't deserve it, I don't deserve it, but He gives it to us freely and we're forgiven and loved by Him. So today, if you're ready to trust Him with your life, if you're ready to say, I need Him in my life, I need His forgiveness, I need His love, I need your grace i want to turn from my sin and turn towards you if that's you today i invite you to share this prayer after me and in fact uh, here at the jar we don't ever pray alone we always pray together in unison And so i invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me jesus thank you for loving me i am so grateful i give my life completely to you Jesus, save me from my sins. Make me brand new. Touch my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.